I want to talk to you about two things you really want to get right. And the first one, I want to begin what I think is the most important, and I'll hit on it in a moment. We'll move on. But the very first one is, I mean, there are things, you know, in life, we want to get everything right, but we're not going to get everything right. We're not. We are humans. But there are things we must get right. I mean, if we mess these up, we have really made a colossal, eternal mistake in the one I'm going to begin with today. And that is how a person goes to heaven is something we need to get right. And you say, well, I don't, that ought to be, a, that ought to be an easy thing to do. Well, it's, it's really not because you have all these different religions. You know, when I grew up, you just, on the road I lived, that you kind of had the Baptists and the Methodists and a sprinkling of Presbyterians. How'd you like the way I threw that sprinkling of Presbyterians? You get that? All right. <laughs> about. And then somewhere in the county, there might be a few Catholics, but not many, really. Now today, think about our children today, what they're growing up around and have been growing up around. There are all these different religions and and. You know, they, they have a lot of different ideas about how you go to heaven. I wish I had made notes of this part of John's sermon last Sunday morning. He was telling about Warren Buffett and about an interview that Warren Buffett gave, gave and he was giving Warren Buffett's net worth. It's in the billions. He's supposed the second richest man uh, in the world. Whether that be right or wrong, I'm not sure, but he's certainly done well. But he was, he was in this interview... He was explaining that he was going to give away, when he died, 85% of his money to four different causes. He said, I'm not going to leave all this money to my kids. I'm going to leave each kid $2 billion, and they'll just have to struggle along the best they can. (laughs) But all this mass of other money, and he said this, he said, I believe there are several different ways to heaven And he said, I think one of them would be to do what I'm going to do with all my wealth. Now, with due respect to Warren Buffett, uh, there's no question he's a brilliant man. He well may be a wonderful moral man. I'm sure he is. But on that point, if the Bible is right, he's dead wrong. Uh, It's sad to think. But you have those that are saying, you know, this religion's the way and that's really. And even in the Protestant work, you know, there's a lot of different ideas in the Protestant world about how you go to heaven. You, you get the, you know, the faith versus the works. Uh, you get some that say, you know, you have to be baptized to go to heaven. We have a whole church full of that. And, uh, and then you, uh, you know, you, you move to the Catholic church or you move out of Protestant church, move to the Catholic church. And of course they, they believe Jesus died on the cross just like you and I do. But the fact of the matter is they teach the church has some kind of mystical saving powers why they baptize all the infants. And so a lot of different ideas about how you go to heaven. Well, The Bible makes very, very clear how you go to heaven. If you believe the Bible is the word of God, uh, Jesus himself answers that question. John 3, 16, that's the only verse we knew. Uh, And then over in John chapter 6 in verse 47, one of my very favorite verses, Jesus said, uh, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Then John chapter 14, you hear this verse often at funerals where Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father but by me. 
And then I love that verse over in the book of Romans where Paul wrote, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the Bible is very, very clear about this. Now here's the question. What's the big deal about being right on how a person goes to heaven as it relates to you? I want to answer that question. Here it is. Because one day, every one of us will stand before either one or the other judgment. The Bible teaches that one day, those who've not put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and trust his shed blood, they will stand before what the Bible calls in Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment, where that at the end of that judgment, they'll be cast into eternal separation from God. Now that's one judgment. Now, the other judgment the Bible teaches about is called the Bema judgment. And the Bema judgment is a judgment that believers will one day stand before God and be judged by what we've done in our faithfulness and service to God. Now, if you'll open your Bible to page 1027, uh, I want you just to see the verse it teaches that. This is talking about you and I as believers. See, one day we will all stand before God. And we'll either stand before God at the great white throne judgment, I pray not, or we'll stand before God at the Bema judgment. And the Bema judgment is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in, in verse number 10. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is talking about the Bema judgment. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so... It, it really is something that we, that we really care about. Now, if you will, in your Bible, turn over to page 1,088. And I hope that gets you in the book of Revelation in chapter number one. I want to just show you one little part of a verse. It's perhaps my favorite verse in the entire book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter one, if you look down in verse number five, um, John is talking about this vision and what God's given him to give the seven churches. But in verse number five, it says, it refers to Jesus Christ as the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth. Now here comes my favorite little phrase. To him, talking about Jesus, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now that word translated washed in some of the other translations it's, the, the, the word is released or freed. And what he's saying is it's by the blood of Jesus Christ that we have been freed from our sins. We've been washed. We've been released. And it's a blessed, wonderful thing. Now, if, if you stood before God, and one day you will, and God said to you, tell me why should I let you into heaven? You need to know what your answer will be. And the right answer would be that you have put your faith and trust in the shed work, work, atoning work of Jesus Christ in his shed blood and not in anything you do or anything the church has done or anything else like that. And so it's, it's, it's a blessed thing. It's just one thing we want to get right. Now, I feel like I'm talking to the choir, probably everybody in this room, you know, you've already gotten that settled and I'm glad for that, but I want you to be glad for that because it's the most important thing you'll ever get right in your life. Now that leads me to the second thing I want to talk about today. Once we become a believer, I think, now you, you may or may not agree with this and that's okay. You can be wrong. 
and, and I love you just the same. But once we become a believer, I think the next thing that we need to get right is our words. You say, our words? Why do you think that? Well, I'm going to show you why I think that. Look in your Bible on page 1073. If you do that, just turn back to 1073, and you're going to be hopefully in the book of James. Page 1073, I'm in James chapter number 3. And here's, here's what the Bible says, which makes... Now, remember, the book of James is written to believers. They're scattered all over everywhere. And James is writing to them. And in James chapter 3, verse number 2, here's what he says. We all stumble in many things. Now, we'd all agree with that, would we not? <laughs> all of us mess up. We all stumble. We all fall short. But I want you to look what the Bible chooses to zero in on. If anyone does not stumble in word, talking about their words. And then it goes on to talk about the power of our words. You, you, you know, you would think they would say if, if you know, if, if, if a person doesn't stumble in their moral life or they don't stumble in not being able to forgive people or if they don't stumble with a pride problem or, you know, whatever it might. But the one thing of all the things, he says, we, we all stumble in many things and we do. But the one thing singled out is this matter of our words. And so it is important that we get our words right. And that's what I want us to think about. You know, one reason is the Bible lists seven things that God hates. And we don't have time to turn to it today, but in the book of Proverbs in chapter 6, three of them are mentioned, a lying tongue, a false witness, one who sows discord. All of those have to do with our words. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that our words are to build up, to edify, to build up, not tear down. So with our words, <laughs> there's a real power in your words. There's a power in all of our words, and we want to get our words right and I thought, you know, um, what are some things we could do to kind of help us do that? Well, first of all, I think we need to choose our words carefully. You know, we all need to hear that. I need to hear that. The Bible says, he who has knowledge spares his words. And then over the book of Proverbs also, it says, even a fool is counted wise when he shuts his lips. And then I think of that blessed verse, it says, a word fitly spoken is like uh, apples of gold and settings of silver. So our words, you know, we need to, we need to choose our words carefully because words have a real power to them. I was thinking about that this morning. And, you know, you know we, all, we, all have, we all have our personality. Every person has their personality. But, you know, how sometimes, you know, sometimes words can could be used, could be said better, <laughs> maybe a better choice of words. I, I was thinking today about three medical doctors. I was thinking about <clears throat> Dottie's major cancer doctor at MD Anderson. Um, she's, she's over the entire lymphoma department of MD Anderson. There's 21 doctors at MD Anderson that treat lymphoma, and she's over the entire department. And I remember when we first went, to MD Anderson to have our initial, get her opinion of what we need to do. We met with her uh, PA, her assistant, for about an hour, 
And that person uh, was such a blessing to us. He was gathering, you know, asking all these questions and getting all this information. And then he just made us feel so comfortable. But at the end of his visit, he said this. He said, now in a moment, doctor, and I won't call the doctor's name. And by the way, the doctor's outstanding doctor. But here's what the doc- he said. He said, now when Dr. Blank comes in, you won't like her. And I thought, well, man, that's a, he said, you, you really won't, uh, but you'll get to like her. Over time, you'll mesh together. And actually, she and Dottie built a great relationship. And, and I don't mean this in a critical way, but like, I can still remember how she explained what was ahead and how little hope there really was. And I thought, there's just, there's just got to be a better way to say that. Then I thought this morning of our cardiologist. Now, I mentioned his name, Dr. William Zogby, who's over the entire DeBakey Institute downtown. And we're blessed to have him as our cardiologist. Now, <laughs> he just has the gift of encouragement, giving bad news. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, then I thought of my knee surgeon. Um, That's one of the most encouraging people that I've ever been around this in the medical profession. Now, not much what he tells you turns out like he said, (laughs) but he makes you feel so good about it. I, I asked him my last visit, I said, could you be my, my internist? He said, I'm not an internist. I'm a surgeon. I do knees. I, that's all I do. And he, then he just tells me how great I'm doing. And I thought, well, you know, that, that's a good thing. But then I began to think about myself. And I encourage you to think about yourself. As you think about your words, we really do need to choose our words carefully. Then we need to think before we speak. Uh, the Bible says a good man thinks before he speaks. I mean, that's a Bible verse. You know, there are really three types of people in this area. There are those who think before they speak. There are those who think while they're speaking. And then there are those who think after they spoke. I get in that group all the time. Well, we don't want to be in that group. We, we need to, if we can, think before we speak. Now, sometimes we don't have time to think before we speak. And we're speaking, trying to think what to say while we're saying it. But, but the the, the way to get our words right is to get our heart right. The Bible says, out of the bunch of heart, the mouth speaks. So if our heart is right, whatever's in here is what is going to be coming out there. Now, based on what the Bible says, based on what the Bible says, I have how to go to heaven. I've gotten it right, according to the word of God. Now, when it comes to my words, I'm just thinking about it. That's another story. I will never be perfect in my words. And you, 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 some of you say, well, I could have told you that before you came. <laughs> Neither will you, big boy. None of us are ever going to be perfect in our words. We are all great. But let me ask you this. Can't we all be better? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm never going to get it right every time with my words. I'm really not. Sometimes I don't have the, the opportunity to think much before I speak. I'm just kind of put on the spot. And I'm trying to think, what, but then, but I can do better and you can do better. And, and the, the fact of the matter is uh, that there's, there's a real power because, you know, your words, number one, you may never have thought about this, but it's true. Your words can actually encourage you. Like my words can encourage me. Uh, 
that one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, bring every thought into captivity of what Jesus Christ teaches. So, you know, we have these thoughts go through our mind and we, we say them to ourselves, even though we may not verbalize them. If you think, if you think a word to yourself, you, you, whether you say it out loud or you think to yourself, we, we need to put that to the test of what God's word has to say. Now, going through my therapy on my knee, I've, I've learned the importance of, of trying to line up my words with the word of God rather than letting what I think come through my mind. Like there's things they've told me, I, you know, this is what you've got to do. Um, one of the most challenging things for me has been to, to go down steps normal until about three or four days ago, I had to go like, you, you put the bad foot down first and then you put the foot down, you put the bad. Well, I thought I'm going to have to do this the rest of my life. And therapist said, you don't have to do it now. The problem is you've got yourself believing you can't do it. I said, in other words, you said I'm a psycho case. I said, well, I don't know about that. But I'm telling you, in your mind, you think it's going to collapse on you. And it's not true. And so I've begun to just think of words in the Word of God. And I say, okay, well, I have these negative thoughts and I can't do something. I'm going to just take the Word of God and I'm going to put to the test what God says versus whatever my feeble thinking has come up with. And, and actually, you, you can encourage yourself with words. I mean, if you get up in the morning, just say to yourself, man, I just don't feel good today. You're going to probably feel like that most of the day. Whereas if you get up and say, this is the day the Lord hath made, I'll rejoice and be glad in it. I told the church Sunday morning, I said, folks, this morning I got up and just had this feeling we're going to have a great day at church. I said, in fact, on top of that, I said, I have a feeling when I got up this morning, good numbers of people are going to be saved. I said, now, I'm glad I had that feeling, but I said, look, can't live by my feelings. We need to live by God's promises. Isn't that right? You don't, don't want to live by your feelings because someday you'll feel good and you'll have a good day and someday you won't feel good and you won't have a good day. So you can encourage yourself. You can encourage others. I saw that Saturday. Saturday, Dottie and I went over to visit Margaret Davis and over here at the Metal Resort. And we got out of there after a good visit with her. And Dottie said, what I think we need to do. And it wasn't at all what I was thinking we needed to do. But I didn't say anything. I was being careful with my words. She said, what I think we need to do is run down to the Cheesecake Factory and have a quick lunch. And I thought to myself, the last thing I want to do on Saturday is go to the Cheesecake Factory. But let me just say this. We had a wonderful lunch at the Cheesecake Factory. We really did. And we had this really good waiter. By the way, they're far, few and far between. You know, you can have a good meal run by a bad waiter, you know, really. This waiter was, this waiter was so good. I told Dottie, I said, we had split what we ordered, which kind of hurts the tip. And I, I remember that when I do that. It's not fair to the waiter to half tip him because you're too, you, you, you split the deal. So my tip was 50% of my bill. He said, what in the world did y'all eat? Well, that's another time. Um, but here's what I did. I told him when he came over, I said, look, you, you just made us have a wonderful meal. You, you, you made the meal better than it was, and I just want to thank you. And the waiter was a man, and he almost teared up. 
And he said, you just cannot know what those words mean to me. And I thought, you know, I was sincere in my heart, but it's no big deal. I'm just trying to say thank you for what you've done. So I'm saying to you, our words can encourage ourselves. Our words can encourage others. And then the best test of all, our words can please God. And so I say this to you today. Maybe I'm just talking to myself today. I know I have it right about how you go to heaven, but I want to get it right about my words. And I won't be perfect, and you won't be perfect. But we can all be better. And when we are, we'll be the blessed. We'll bless others and we'll please God.